listening to Grassroots, the podcast for unsigned musicians, www.innovationstudios.com. I'm Marcus. It is week 22. It is the 23rd of April and it's sunny out. It's fine. We finally had a bit of sun this week again, but it's that sort of funny sort of weather where you're you're out in your shirt sleeves or because you think, oh, it's quite nice out there. And then you go out and you're freezing because there's a bit of a chill in the air still. But uh, after last week, I want to um, just first of all say thank you to everybody that sent in questions again this week. Thanks again for your feedback. Thanks again for following me on Spotify. Thanks again for your subscriptions. And um, thank you for your little messages of support. I just said great job as always. And the uh, couple of other negative ones but um hey look you you're allowed to have your opinion i've got no problem with that um that's the point of me being here i guess but um no rant this week all right straight on with it week 22 just my quick disclaimer that all of the questions are sent in by you all of my answers are based on my experiences and are purely my opinions everybody has a different way of doing things everybody can find their own way and get their own advice and i've got no problem with that so if you ask me a question i will answer it honestly and i will only answer it according to my experiences my opinions and the equipment and the knowledge that i have used and gained over many many years of doing this crazy job and I'm going to start with a question with that comes from Helen in Billericay. And Helen says, Hi, Marcus, I just wondered, is there an ideal key to write songs in and how does it differ according to the range of voice? Um, hi, Helen, how are you? How are you? Um, there's not an ideal key as such to write songs in. I think um, when, when you're first learning um, how to play an instrument or when you're first learning how to play guitar or any instrument, really, I think... You tend to write um, songs in, you know, the, the, the key in, in the chords that you can play the best. And once you become a little bit more accomplished, you're able to chop and change a few things. But I, I feel um, I'll give you the I'll give you the um, sort of professional answer first, which is once you get to a certain level, you try and find the best key to get the best out of your voice and um, I mean, you should do that anyway, even with covers. But if you're writing a song, you're looking to get the best sound. Sometimes that means writing it in any key and then using the capo to change um, the song or to change the, the pitch of it so that it suits you better. Um, but I think usually um, it's one of those that there are no real definite rules. I think... Um, Really, you have to just do what's best for the song, and it's as simple as that, really. Um, I think when you first start learning, there are plenty of E minors, there are plenty of uh, Ds, um, sometimes Gs and things like that. I think there are not many F-sharp minors or C-sharp minors, not, not early on. But the essence of it is still the same, that, um, you know, technically, if you put if you start playing a, a G and an E minor and then put a capo on the second, you are technically playing a, an A and an F-sharp minor. It's just that you're playing the chords that you know. So that's why I always suggest when somebody first learns how to how to play a guitar that they get a capo because it's you know it's it's important to to be able to move around the fretboard. But there are no rules as such. Um, I think that uh, keep it simple in the early stages. Um, and of course there are things as well. I mean, if you, you can write the song, as I said last week. 
There are so many songs that are in D. Crazy Little Thing Called Love starts with a D. Breakfast at Tiffany starts with a D. Thorn in My Side starts with, with a, a D shape. And they're three different vocal ranges and three different vocal attacks. So really, it's just finding a melody within those chords. And of course, you have pretty much, or to a certain extent, a free reign on what your melody is around those chords. And, um, you know, sometimes ladies, they might be able to sing it an octave higher than you. But you're looking to get it to the point where when you sing it, it sounds like you're you're pushing it. The other, the other thing as well is, is, is as a singer... You're always looking to sing songs in a, in a particular voice. Now, sometimes there are uh, musicians out there. There's a, there's a brilliant, brilliant musician, American uh, artist, I, I believe he's called White Buffalo, who sings in a very, very low voice. And therefore, he his style is very much a head voice uh, or speaking voice. And therefore, the, the his, his vocal melodies are, are a bit lower than you would expect. So if we sing along with it, or if I sing along with it, I think, well, oh, that's a bit low. And then there are other people who, who write the song and want and feel better singing in the middle of their voice, if you like. You, you don't want to be going falsetto, and you don't want to be going too low. So you need to be staying in the middle. And I think that's an important thing. So there, no, no, Helen, there aren't any rules. There aren't any um, definite keys to write in. A lot of the country stuff was written in... Um, in G or A, but again, a lot of the piano stuff is written in C. Um, I suppose just particularly some of the rock and roll stuff, uh, the early rock and roll stuff was written in C. Um, so it, it just depends on the voice, it depends on the individual, and it depends on the vocal um, performance that you want to get from yourself. But there aren't any rules. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Helen. Nancy. Nancy's from Norwich, believe it or not. Nancy has said, Hi Marcus, when you're performing outside, what is the worst weather you've had to deal with? Um, well, hi Nancy, by the way. First of all, um, three, three or four months ago, I would have given you the answer, probably rain or heavy wind. Um, because, um, you know, some of, the, some of the shows, if you're outside, usually... Um, the worst weather is, you know, you, you would look at it as being rain or wind or, or stuff like that. Usually you're, you know, you're, you're pretty much, if you play festivals and things like that, you're on a stage. Now, I have two answers for this. The first answer is the worst weather that I've had to deal with when performing outside is the sun. Particularly if you're playing a venue that decide, uh, don't tell you until you get there, that... Um, they, they promised you you'd have a gazebo or something, and then when you get there, you've, you have nothing, and you're basically stood in the sun, and you don't have any sun cream because you're a, you, you've been told that you're going to be under a gazebo. So you're standing out, boiling up in the sun in your shirt and your jeans and whatever because, you, because I always believe that if I'm playing out, if I'm performing, I wear the right stuff, right? Um, so the worst weather is, for, for me, is uh, boiling sun and no protection. Um, and more than once over the last few years, uh, we've had this where, yeah, come and play for us and play in our beer garden. You'll be OK. And then when you get there, I'm um, oh, sorry, the gazebo's not working or they stick me under an umbrella and I'm too tall for it or something like that. Which I know isn't their fault, but in invariably these arrangements just are supposed to be made. And I've played there a few times and I know who I am and what I look like. Right. So no excuse. But um, the sun 
is one of the worst things. When it's boiling hot, um, because you're just standing there, and by the end of it, I, I was burned to a crisp and <laughs> stood in the sun for two and a half hours with no protection. Um, so that, was, that wasn't fun. But in December, my brother and I went to play a show, and we went all the way up to, I think it was Cheshire, um, and we played a show and it was over the, um, it was over the lockdown, but it was at that point where you could, you could have a certain number of people p performing outside. So we played a full scale, um, outside show under a gazebo in December and, um, just for my, and I have to say this just for, uh, a, a beautiful, beautiful young lady and a, a husband, and a couple of other friends. It was just, there were literally four of them there and the two of us. We did abide by the rules. We didn't break any rules. And uh, it was just something that um, they wanted to do um, for for personal reasons. And um, Steve and I went and played for them and we, we, we ended up playing outside in their garden on the 16th of December. And to tell you that my hands were frozen, trying to play the guitar and I had uh, a two jumpers, a jumper and a T-shirt under my jacket. So I looked like Michelin Man just walking up there. Everything was, was uh, my arms were sort of away from my body by about two foot. I looked like one of the contestants on Love Island. Do you know the way they all walk around like they've got two rolls of carpets under their arm? You know, hi girls, how you doing? Um, so I looked a little bit like that. I, you know, um, so that that was um, that wasn't that was fun. It was a beautiful thing to do, and we, and we had a great time. But um, that was difficult weather because obviously freezing cold and then there was a wind and there was a little bit of rain as well. And we we're in a gazebo in someone's garden thinking it's a good job we're big blokes because we're going to, you know, somebody else would blow over the fence here. But in all, in all honesty, Nancy, the sun, when you're unprotected and you're standing there and there's no stage or anything like that, that can be really, really, really uncomfortable and not fun at all. But thanks for your question, Nancy. Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriter to take their journey to the next level. Whether that be starting at the basics of building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic, or refining your current set with an experienced performer, or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproof walls and perfect ambience and acoustics, our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft hone their skills and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website. Go to www.innovationstudios.com. Dean says, hi, Marcus. I just wondered, Dean's from Basildon, has your equipment ever broken down mid-gig and how did you cope? Yeah, I've had that, Dean. Yep. Um, usually it's something like a power cut. Or usually it's something that um, th that can just happen. Somebody might, um, you know, sometimes it, it depends what the equipment is. Let, let's say, first of all, it's PA. Now, I always have a spare. I always have a little PA that I take with me that's there just in case. And I always make sure I've got a backup. So I um, can always... If I need to, just say, I'm just going to take a five-minute break, go and get the spare PA from the car or, you know, just pick it up from behind the, the original system. So I've always got a spare mixer, which isn't great. But when I, I learned very, very early in this industry, and, and um, 
it's something that, that the biggest nugget of information, if I, if I never pass on any other information, if you never take anything from any of these podcasts, and obviously I hope you do, but the biggest amount of information I could give you is if you are a guitar player, have a spare guitar in case you break a string. And if you have a PA, make sure that you have a spare, either a mixer or a powered monitor or just something that can get you out of trouble on the night. Don't be looking at each other going, well, we've got all the instruments, but we don't have any PA. You know, there are plenty of different ways. If you Sometimes it's worth just putting a powered monitor in. It might only, might only be 300 watt, and you might only have to turn down, but you have to make sure that you have everything. In terms of backing tracks, I have them on my mini disc. I have them on my phone. I have them on a tablet in my bag. So I've got three options if that should ever happen so you try to cover as many things as you can in the event of a power cut when everything goes down i have walked around the tables with an acoustic guitar and sung songs i have um you know done something like that picked up an, an acoustic and i suppose uh, as as my my dad said to me at the time that's what makes you a professional musician i guess or that's what makes you you know the, that that comes with experience that even if something as serious as that happens, you don't stand there, you go, all right, well, and you pick up an acoustic and and I think I was just messing about. I just sang one voice singing in the darkness or something like that and tried to make light of it until the power came back on. And I've, and I've had that where the power doesn't come back on and you're kind of pack, you're trying to pack away by, you know, the light on your phone and thanks very much, but good night. If you're lucky, sometimes they let you hang around until the power comes back on and you go, go back on stage at half 11 and still do, still do a bit if you're at a holiday park. But the way of coping is that, um, first of all, you shouldn't put yourself in a position where you don't have a spare PA or a spare option, a backup option. Um, but also, sometimes you just have to go with it. And sometimes you have to just say, sorry, there's nothing I can do. And... You know, you have to bite the bullet and say, thanks a lot, you know, good night, and, and know that you're never going to play there again. Because I think that people would rather you you scratched through with a PA that wasn't as good as your original or a powered monitor that was just on a stand and the band turning down a bit than you turning around and say, thanks very much. If somebody comes to mend your car and then he says, I can't mend your car because I haven't got my spanner, you'd say, well, use another spanner, wouldn't you? You'd say, well, you must have another spanner to do the job. So... If you, if you learn nothing else from these podcasts, learn that it's worth investing in a spare backup PA. And in these days of Trivago and eBay and Gumtree and, and uh, Facebook Marketplace, there's no excuse not to have, you know, 25, 30 quid's worth of backup PA that will just give you a bit of vocal and get you out of trouble. There's no excuse to not have your backing tracks on your phone and on another spare phone in your bag or another option. There's no excuse to have, not to have a spare guitar that's tuned as well, even if, if, if it's a right old piece of wood that's just about getting a tune out of. At least if it's in tune, you can say, sorry, I've done a string, put it down, pick your other one up, and then in the break, you know, you can change guitars. So things like that. This is what makes the difference. This is what makes the transitions. This is what makes it smoother. If you go on and the very first song of your set, you break a string, you can walk over, you pick up your other guitar, and you finish that first set. So maybe an hour later, you're putting a string back on the original uh, guitar. That is, of course, if you haven't got somebody who knows how to do it, that you can say, just pick up my other guitar for a while, 
play two songs, and by the time that's done, someone's put the string back on it for you. People don't mind you tuning, but they do mind if you're standing there changing a string and messing about, and that, that, that looks terrible. So you've always got to have backup. I've, I have slightly gone on off on a bit of a tangent here, but the point is you're trying to cover as many um, situations as you can. You're trying to have as many backups as you can. Spare guitar, spare bass, even if it's in the case. All right, if your drummer goes through the snare, fair enough, but our drummer does have a, a spare a spare snare, which isn't easy to say, but our one does. And, you know, in that in that situation, again, you're just trying to do what you can. And even if for the rest of the night he's just got to, just got to play the rim shot, or, you know, the, I'm sure drummers can find a way. So the way of coping in the event of my power, of, of the power going on my PA is to pick up the spare PA and put that in and carry on with my job. In the event of a complete power cut, I'm as powerless, and if you pardon the obvious pun, and as helpless as everybody else in that room. So I can only, uh, the only difference between me and them is that I've got an acoustic guitar and I can say, come on, we, still, we can still have a bit of a show and, and try and play some songs and walk around the tables. So that's how I coped uh, with it, Dean. Um, it wasn't easy, but, um, <laughs> but we find a way of getting through. Hazel says, Hi, Marcus, I just wondered, what are the disadvantages or advantages of performing with your siblings? Hello, Hazel. Um, it's mostly positive stuff, believe it or not. Um, because it's... Um, you, you, you are able... Now, now, I know that a lot of people will say that there's a, there's a saying in life, you don't mix business with pleasure. So those of you who have been at work and, and found a relationship at work and then all of a sudden you go home and... You know, you talk about work or you go to work and you talk about home and you can never get that balance right. It can be a bit like that. But in the case of um, most of the projects I've been involved in, uh, my brother Steve has been involved in all of them, really, apart from maybe one at one time. And um, the, the great thing is you're able to constantly, when you're younger and you first get into it, you're able to live it 24 hours a day and to make suggestions and strum guitars together. And when you're trying to come up with new ideas, um, and we were younger, you know, I was early 20s and he was uh, late teens and the band would, would was first uh, starting to write songs or Steve was starting to write songs. He could just walk into my room with an acoustic and go, I've got this idea, rather than arranging a band meeting and get together and things like that. The other thing is traveling. Um, if you're traveling somewhere, that I was, I was very, very lucky. And I remain very lucky, in as much as when when I was uh, when I was growing up, my brothers were my mates, basically, and we were mates, and we'd do everything together. We went we went to the pub together. We you know, so um, to be travelling somewhere and to have your brother or your sister with you, you know, um, is it, there's something great about that. The other the the, the neg negative side of it is that you know exactly how to push each other's buttons and when there's an argument it would just kick right off but as in most cases with brothers or sisters or siblings of any description there's usually a point where you suddenly look at each other and go ah it don't matter and carry on it doesn't get dragged out for for weeks and weeks and weeks so it's mostly pros and very very few cons traveling together particularly if we're um you know working together and over the last year uh, over the last 16 months um, to be traveling together um, whenever we could 
um, whenever whenever we were allowed to do, to do that, um, just made it easier. And also, if you have um, a situation, if you have a, a tough time in your life, or um, in, in in our case, sadly, we lost um, our dad. Um, to be travelling and um, talking together, and to to have somebody there who who's totally you know you've known all your life, um, makes it so much easier. And yeah, we we would press each other's buttons and we would have silly fights and silly arguments. And I'm sure that Liam and Noel would tell you something about that. And I'm sure that the BGs would have told you something about that. And I'm sure that Bross would have told you something like that. But what they'd also tell you is how lucky they are that they're able to work with those, those people and they're able to work as a group because it, it means that nothing is off limits when you're brothers, you don't really have things that you can't say to one another. If a song isn't as good, you don't have to pussyfoot around. You can say, don't like that. Come on, mate, you can do better. Um, and it might cause an argument, but you know that somewhere along the line, you're going to shout at each other and then both sing a harmony and laugh and look at each other and go, yeah, that was a good one. Um, so it's not a difficult thing at all. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer it. I think it's great. And I know that, of course, there are different stories with that and everybody has a different relationship with their siblings. I know that. But um, in my particular case, it's mostly that you're able to um, get the best out of one another all the time and to be there for each other all the time and to share so much. And, and uh, we were very lucky that we were able to share so much. So thanks for your question, uh, Hazel. Eddie says, Hi, Marcus. I just wondered which picks are best for acoustic or electric guitars. Do you have a favourite? Um, hello, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to go for medium picks, so, uh, something like that, but, but it varies. Um, I think it depends on what you're doing. I think it's very much a case of um, if you're trying to get that raspy sound. We've talked about this before, or I've talked about this before where if you're trying to get that raspy sound from an acoustic, when you're trying to record an acoustic that's really a, per a percussive one, it's not necessarily that you want it booming in the mix, but you want the sound of it in the background, then in order to bring out the sound and less of the uh, volume, you use a lighter pick. Um, if you want mostly, mostly the volume and very little um, rasp, then you use a heavier one. I don't think there are, there are many people who use a, a heavy pick on um, on an acoustic, I know there are there are a fair few. I mean, Angus Young uses a heavy pick for um, AC/DC, but but then I would assume probably compensates by the way he plays with it. And if somebody says to me, you know, here's a heavy pick, um, then chances are that I would play with the heavy pick, but I would hold it looser in order to compensate for that. So it's very much like. Um, the only the only thing I can say about it is um, it's very much like if you throw a very, very light tennis ball and then somebody ha hands you a very, very heavy cricket ball, you, you have to throw it in a different way and with a different trajectory. And you, and um, I suppose a plectrum is like that. Um, when you played for, for a lot of years, and you have to remember in my case, I, I started when I was five, and if you don't want to do the maths, that's 42 years I've played for. Um so when I pick up a, a guitar and a, and a plectrum, even if it's the wrong plectrum, I can make that adjustment. But usually I go uh, medium, um, somewhere around sort of point, 0.56, 0.71, something like that. 
um, which are quite nice and um, they're not flimsy and they're not too rigid either. Um, and that tends to be um, acoustic and electric really for me. Um, but if I want a raspier sound, I use a lighter pick. The other thing as well with an acoustic guitar is if you're looking to make a bigger noise, if you're busking somewhere, then you want all volume and little rasp. So you may use a heavier, heavier pick. But you'll break strings if you hold it too tight. The other thing as well is that the pick has to have a little bit of movement in the hand. It isn't enough to squeeze the pick and let it bend, let the pick bend as it drifts over the strings. The pick has to move in your hand in order to slide and glide over the strings. If you're squeezing the pick and the pick is bending as it flips over the strings, I'm trying to think of a, the best way to describe it, but I, I can't really do any better than that. Um, then if you hold it, um, you, you're going to, to uh, break the pick or break strings or, or whatever. But um, it varies. But I would, if you were starting out, I would say go for a medium pick and um, then make the adjustment according to you. Everybody makes different, um, has different ways of doing it. The other thing as well is some people like to use gauge 12 strings on acoustics. Some people like to use, you know, gauge 10. And I think sometimes um, if you have gauge 12 strings on an acoustic, using a light pick, you're going to get nothing out of them. They're like ropes. Um, and also, if you have maybe gauge, I think they probably do an extra extra light, which is like gauge nine acoustic strings. Or the same applies for electric, really. If, you, if you've got like gauge nine electric strings or gauge 11, I used 11s for a while and I've gone back to 10s, but I, I used 11s for a long while because I was so heavy handed and I was so, um, because I would play acoustic all day and um, uh, teaching and then in the evening go and play the electric and ping the string off because I'd be too heavy handed so I, I went up to 11s and solved the problem and, and as I as I made the, the adjustment the transition I moved back down to 10s but depending on the gauge of string that you have sometimes a medium pick with um, maybe a lighter gauge works okay I think a lighter pick with a heavier gauge doesn't work you just get a raspier sound but who am I to tell you that it depends on the touch and it depends on uh, the individual. But uh, thank you very much for that question. I, I appreciate it. Alice. Hi, Marcus. Do you try to cover songs that are true to the original or do you like to add your own take on them? Hello, Alice. Um, I think the, the very fact that it's you doing it means that you're, you're um, putting your own take on something. But if you are playing a particular song and that song has a particular solo, then I think you should try and play that solo um, as close to the original as you can. Um, but I don't think note for note um, is it has to always be the way. I think you can sometimes have a little bit. But yeah, again, if you have a, a song that's sung in a particular order, you can't suddenly change the verses round. So th they're the obvious things. I think if I'm playing the covers, I think I, I like to... If people are, let, let, let's put myself in a scenario, Saturday night, Harlow British Legion, I'm going to play those songs as closely to the original as I can, although some of the keys are different to suit my voice, so I'll admit that, I'll say that, or to get the best out of my voice, then I'll say, that's what I'm going to do, um, we'll, Ken and I will go out on a Saturday night, and we'll play those songs as close to the original as we can. Um, Steve and I will go out as Oasis or the Oasis tribute band will go out and we'll play those songs as closely to the tribute band as we can because that's that, that's 
you know that's what it's about when i go out as a solo artist with one acoustic i can um, because it's so different i still have the rhythm of the songs and i still sing them in a certain way but you can you can uh, sometimes take a song down and slow it down and you know the music industry works like that anyway alice there's there there are lots of songs particularly like the john lewis adverts every single year you're looking at and you're going okay which particularly brilliant 80s pop song are they going to slow right down for a dirgy christmas number 1 this year you know we've had mad world we've and and there was another one that oh there's another one wonderwall which was the car advert my god it was dirge and you know the the, the truth of it is that's what happens, but you can put your own take on stuff. Invariably, um, it's very rare. I'm trying to think, really. Um, usually, a fast song slowed down is far, far less offensive to the ear than a uh, slow song speeded up. I mean, I think if you took your song by Elton John or Wonderful Tonight and speeded it up to make it a rock song, people would go, what? what's that? What's that? You're playing that too fast, but... You know, you can take Summer of 69 by Brian Adams and break it right down. And people go, it's a lovely little mellow version of that. So um, sometimes if you're entertaining a room full of people who are there for a dance and there to enjoy themselves on a Saturday night, then um, I think you play the songs as closely to the original as you can without obviously trying to mimic the voice and stuff like that. Um, although you can if you want your gig. Um, but I think if you're entertaining a room full of people who are sitting down having a basket meal, you're on acoustic guitar, I think that you can um, mellow the songs down and uh, change them around a little bit and be clever with them. And I don't think that that's uh, nobody would really be too offended by that if you did that. So thank you for your question, Alice. I appreciate it. Grassroots Music UK, in association with Innovation Studios, presents the ultimate one-day workshop for songwriters. Advice and analysis on songwriting techniques and methods, how songs are created, structured, recorded and produced. Tuition, analysis and guidance on how to make a great-sounding album on a bedroom budget, using recording software and digital audio workstation. Learn how effects and plugins work and the most effective way to use them. Mixing and mastering to CD, WAV and MP3. Adding album artwork, tags and songwriter info. Where to have your mastered CD copied in bulk for selling at your shows. How to upload your music to iTunes and digital media. Online radio stations and how to submit your music for airplay. Advice on venues, promotions, showcases and open mic nights in the area. To book a place and be added to the waiting list, please call 01702 836 649 or email innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com Sandra from Bexley Heath Hi Marcus, I just wonder, does the quality of cable you use make much difference to the sound? Um, yes it does Sandra, although don't fall for the old uh, gold tip um, stuff that you know they used to used to have uh, these very various electrical shops that would say special uh, uh, special golden connectors. I can promise you, in my experience, there was no difference between them and the the usual silver ones. Absolutely no difference at all. Um, so don't go falling for that. 
with guitars and things like that, the best cables or the most affordable cables and the best ones that, that for me that over the years that I've used the most, and again, the, the, all of these things are only my opinion, were the Whirlwind cables. They were the best ones. They just have a lovely sound to them. They just have um, a clarity to them um, that I can um, I can notice. I think, to be fair, um, it isn't always that discernible to the audience. And I think once you once you crank everything up and turn it right up, um, then the, there's there's very little difference once that once it's all noise and confusion. But if you're trying to get a really nice vocal uh, in the studio, or you're trying to get a really nice guitar in the studio, then yes, of course, the the, the better the the cable you use, the more. Um, the, the, then, uh, more, not something more expensive, but the better the cable, the better quality cable, which usually means more expensive, will give you far more. But I would say, don't worry too much about get the get the gold ones because the gold ones are more. That's nothing. It just they're literally just dipped in gold. That's not that's not true. I don't believe that. I, in my experiences, the gold connectors have never made any difference. They just look nice, and people think they're getting something. Usually whirlwind, pretty good, you know. Um, and um, obviously there are there are others like uh, there are stag ones, there are Fender ones. Fender ones are obviously obviously good. Um, I'm assuming there are Gibson ones. I'm I'm not sure, but whirlwind are kind of recognised as the uh, industry standard. It's very much like um, when you go and play a venue and someone will sort of say, you know, what mic do you use? You go, oh, SM58. Oh yeah, yeah, industry standard. And then people are sort of go, oh, plug my guitar in, yeah, whirlwind, of course. So it's uh, it's like a done thing. It's like a whirlwinds for guitars. I'm not sure on keyboards. Maybe some of the keyboard players will let me know if that makes a difference to them. But most guitar players will say, yeah, I like a nice whirlwind lead, because they're just they're becoming industry standard, really. Um, I wish I would become industry standard. I wish that every single musician out there would would sort of look at each other and go, yep, yeah, you know, grassroots. But uh, unfortunately, it's just SM58s and Whirlwind cables at the moment. But um, believe me, I'm trying. But uh, thank you so much for your for your question um, on that one. Last question today. Um, and this is a really, really good question. I like this one. This question comes from Michelle. And Michelle is in Dartford. Well, it actually says DA1. So I'm assuming somewhere around uh, Dartford. And the question is, hi Marcus, I just wondered, can an audience spot a bad musician? Um, right, okay. I suppose they, um, I think, oh goodness me, where do you start with this one? Um, no, I'm going to say that in my, in my experiences, people are more likely to to think that a pretty average singer is good than they are to think that a really good singer is bad. They're more likely to, uh, because if you're, I've, I've talked about this before, the singer, not the song. And if you are singing the right songs um, and you have a bit of stage presence about you and stuff like that, then, then I think people will put the voice there subconsciously. You have to be pretty bad. Um, and, I, and I've seen some bad ones and I've been looking around thinking, what's going on here? They're, you know, oh, we had a great night. We'd love to have you back. And I'm thinking, wow, how does that work? You know, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just there for, a, you know, an evening out. But 
I sat there all night thinking, oh, cool, she's a bit off, or he's a bit off, or whatever. Um, and at the end of the night, I heard the landlord say, oh, fabulous night, we'd love to have you back. So I don't think it, in a way, I don't think it matters. In another way, I think it does. I think an audience, um, don't, we don't always realise, it's, it's no different to, I suppose, um, somebody might come round and do your carpet and it might be a bit baggy. But if you look at it and you're happy with it because you don't know anything about it, then, you know, you'll be fine. And you just assume that all um, carpets are like that. And if somebody comes round and sorts your car paintwork out and it's just maybe it's a slightly different colour to everything else, I think you sort of step back and go, well, if I get up close, I can see it. But to be honest, yeah, it's not, you know, that's probably how it is these days. So unless you know a little bit about singing, a little bit about performing, unless it's obvious bum notes. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're that bad that you're, you know, you're like kind of like uh, Les Dawson, who, you know, genius, musical genius, Les Dawson. If you're that bad, then I think uh, people will notice it. But, uh, but I think, um, I think it varies. I think audiences can be a little bit unfair as well sometimes. They might judge a really, a really, really great singer who's got a cold and a cough and can't really sing on that particular night harshly and say, oh, she could hardly get the notes out or he could hardly get the notes out tonight. Terrible. And you, you think, well, I've blown my chance here. You go home and you think, well, I wasn't at my best. Um, and I think, to be fair, uh, the, the, some audiences you'd be singing and I think a lot of audiences will, will sort of go, you know, they're a bit off. Oh, she might have a cold. You know, they sort of put a reason there for you, I think. But um, I don't think that they can spot a bad musician as easily as you think. And the reason I say that is because from my own personal experiences, I have heard some dross over the years. At open mic, I've heard some dross at band showcases. I've heard some dross at holiday parks. And I think it's dross because I know exactly what it takes to get up there and I know that they're just not doing the job properly, all right? It's, it's not me being God. It's, not, it's just my knowledge of this game is that I'm judging them based on what I know. And if you're a bricklayer out there and you go and see a house that somebody else has built, you'll look at it. You ain't looking at anything else except, yeah, oh, the brick, bricks are nice, yeah, nice little bit of brickwork there you know a bit more about it. Someone might go, and that built well. And you might say, no, nah, no, nah, the way they've done that fireplace with those bricks, no, nah, you wouldn't, the thing is, that's risky. So I'm stood at the back. And yet at the end of the night, I've, I've looked on the poster and they're booked again. Their name, to, name comes up again. And I think, what's going on here? You know, and like most grassroots musicians, and I'm sure a lot of you feel, um, and I'm no different. I grew out of it, but I'm no different in as much as that I would think the, some of the songs that I'm writing, some of the songs that I'm creating, and I know you, that there are people out there that feel the same, okay? Some of the songs that you're writing out there and some of the ideas that you have are just as strong as some of those songs that, uh, that get there. I mean, you know, when you have a number one that's we built this city on sausage rolls, when you have a number one that is basically, you know, uh, two puppets singing a song, well, you can't tell me that the audience can judge a bad musician when you've got Zig and Zag at number one. What's that about? Bob the Builder at number one. What's that about? Mr. Blobby at number one. What's that about? So, you know, the truth of it is, I've got no problem with it because it's a novelty song and it made a lot of money for a lot of people and I'm not bitter. Believe me, I'm not bitter. 
But I do know, the same way as a lot of other grassroots musicians out there know, even if they don't voice it, that some of the songs they're writing are just as good. It's just they haven't got the opportunity, they haven't got the breaks. They also know that there are a lot of artists out there that, based on the first two albums they made, can release any old dross these days and people will buy it. So, you know, judge. I don't think audiences can judge a bad musician. And uh, but 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 believe me, musicians can judge a bad audience. I can tell you that much. Musicians can judge a bad audience straight away. I've walked into many a venue, walked straight in up to the stage and looked over and said, "It'll be trouble." You just know, you know, Frank in the corner. There's Frank. He's already he's already half cut. He's already three sheets to the wind, and this is at eight o'clock. So by eleven o'clock, he's going to want to get up and want to sing with you. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, I'm pretty right. Um, and I'm sure you are too. You look at he'll, he'll be trouble. That's going to kick off over there. So turning it on its head completely, musicians can judge a bad audience really, really quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, an interesting question that one. I'm not really sure that I answered it, but um, I gave you a little insight into how it works and how we and how we see things. But yeah, I think um, it varies, and I think you can, as a, as a musician, you can be harshly judged. If you don't feel well, and as a, and also as a musician, you can be, um, if you know, if you can't sing very well, you can be, you can be judged in a fair way because people think that you're not well, and uh, so it's one of those, it's one of those juxtapositions. It's a, it's a strange thing, but um, it doesn't matter. All we can do is do our best night after night. I've always said, you know, if you if you walk off the stage and you you ask yourself one question, and that is, could I have done any more? The only time in this industry, times in this industry that I've ever been disappointed is when a show didn't go very well and I knew I hadn't put the work in and then it hurts. But if I know I'd put the work in, if I know I did everything, I, I liken it to a friend of mine who was a boxer in the 90s. And he said to me, sometimes you put all the work in in the gym, you know you've done everything. And just in that last moment, you, you stick your chin out and it's over. And you think, you know, and even then, you know you did everything. You just stuck your chin out. And, you know, and, and as a performer, sometimes you do everything. You prepare. And then on the day, you suddenly get the flu or you get a cold or something. And you just and it's just not there. And you've put all the work in. But always put the work in. Always be the best you can, I promise you. I'm no exception to that. I'm not lazy. I'm not, I, I'm not complacent. I'm losing weight. I'm getting fit. I'm trying to get right so that when we're able to perform again, I'm at the best I can be. That's, that's how I see it. I don't want to be um, somebody who used to be good. I want to be someone who's still good or still able to perform to the same level. And I want to know that as well. I want to be the one that knows when it's time to go. I don't want somebody to tell me that, you know. Anyway, that's it for another week. Some really, 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 really great questions there that I really enjoyed answering. I've got a few more which I'll roll over into next week. And I look forward to seeing you then but uh, as per usual i've had a great time and um, i look forward to seeing you or talking to you next week keep your questions coming in don't forget www.innovationstudios.com don't forget to email me it's innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com and don't forget you can find me on instagram you can find me on twitter at innovation studios you can ask ask your questions however you want you can even just email me and give me your feedback do whatever you want to do Lessons are available online. All of that information can be found at um, the website, www.innovationstudios.com. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, 
and um, I will see you next week. Yours in Music, signing off. See you soon. Bye-bye for now.